Welcome to the Winter Holiday Pageant. We are excited to celebrate this season with you. Now at the darkest time of year, we bring the longed for light into our homes and into our hearts. We seek to find the origins, the values, and the deeper meaning of the holidays that we treasure. We Unitarian Universalists are drawn to the mystery and wonder, the prophetic and justice-seeking, the truth, wisdom, and love expressed in the many traditions. We explore them with appreciation for the cultures from which they come, that we might experience the world, if just for a moment, from a different point of view one that might help us feel a kinship with all that is. And we like to have some fun doing it. Our children and youth are especially good at helping us do that, and so we thank them this morning and all who helped bring this message to us. Many thanks to all the participants, the writers, producers, performers, crew, music directors, and the youth choir. I invite you to join me in the spirit of prayer. Spirit of life-giving love and love-giving life. Spirit of the child that is so central to this season of holidays. We are gathered to hold our children as precious, to hold even the inner child within each of us as precious. We're here to recognize that we are collectively accountable for all the children of our community and of our world. May we be good stewards. May we be good role models. May we be good builders as we work towards constructing a culture and society that holds them safe. Let us hold this moment together in quiet. Amen. Today's pageant is a live television performance. We even have a live human uh, teleprompter. Uh, anyway, your um, audience participation is most welcome this morning. We want you to give it up for our kids. And um, we need a holiday celebration, so let the pageantry begin. Places, everyone. In five, four, three, two, one. Hi, I'm Ryan Solstice, your master of winter uh, solstice ceremonies. Welcome to our special holiday edition of UU Idol, the Battle of the Holidays. Tonight, our contestants will be competing for the ultimate glory. One group, and one group only, will be declared the best holiday. 
before we meet our contestants vying for the holiday crown, let's meet our panel of winter solstice judges. First, all the way from former Scandinavia, Norse, and dramatic tribes, please welcome our frothy friend, Yuletide. Thank you, you out of viewers. It's an honor to be here for the winter solstice, the start of the soul year, especially since the celebration is named after me. Back in the day, people called me Guli, the 68 tide of my old tribe. Now I just go by Yule. Never I will win, that means there's a mid-winter party going on. Fun, family, and a feast. So let's get this celebration started. Ho! Next on our panel, all the way from the British Isles, the Celtic god of the dying year, Holly Queen. It's great to be back. Once again, I had a long, hard battle with my twin, the Oak King, in summer on the longest day of the year. And as I do every year, I won. But now my reign is coming to a close. This longest night of the year is my last before Oak King claims the title again. I just never get used to giving up crown. So I'm counting on these three holiday groups to cheer me up. Show me some love. Don't worry, Holly Queen. The three holidays will give you an entertaining send-off that you will remember all winter. All right, on to our last judge from our neighbor to the south, Mexico. Let's give a warm welcome to our dear mother of corn, Tenatzin. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you. Don't mean to pull rank on you, sweetie, but you forgot my title. I'm a goddess. Sorry about that, Aztec goddess, Sanatsin. You're not going to turn me into stone or anything, are you? Don't be silly. I don't strike people down. I'm a giver of sustenance, but I do like offerings. I could always use some more holly. I'll take anything for a proper feast. Keep that in mind, contestants. The judges like offerings. Now, it's time to meet our first contestants. They're funky, they're gold, they're all about Hanukkah. Hoping to hip-hop their way into our hearts, please welcome the Funky Gold Menorahs. So, Funky Gold Menorahs, tell us about your holiday. We light the menorah to remind people of the miracle that happened so long ago. Over 2,300 years ago, in a country called Judea, many Jewish people lived under the rule of a very wicked man called King Antiochus. King Antiochus ordered all the Jewish people to give up their god, their religion and customs, and worship only the Greek gods. Some of the Jewish people chose to obey Antiochus, but others refused. After a long time, they were able to reclaim their temple and worship as they believed. The first thing they had to do was rededicate the temple. But they had a problem. They didn't find any blessed oil to light the lamps. Finally, they found a very small flask of oil, only enough for one evening. That's when the miracle happened. That very small flask did not last just, just one night, but it lasted eight nights. 
hear something about food in the song, but other than that, nothing about sustenance, nothing about corn. I can't vote for you. You're out of sync with my style. <laughs> I thought their timing, timing was good, and I always love a passionate story, but too many light references only that okay. Sorry guys, no vote for either. Oh. Oh. Norris, you're a funky rock. about Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa was developed from elements of the African heritage and the ceremony of appreciation for the first fruits of harvest. Kwanzaa was built on seven, princ seven principles commonly known as Naguza Saba. These principles are Umoja, Unity, Kujichagulia, Self-Determination, Ujima, Collective Work Responsibility, Ujama, Cooperative. Economics. Nia Purpose. Kuma Creativity. Imani Faith. Each of the seven days of the celebration is dedicated to one of the seven principles. Each day, one candle is lit that represents each principle. On the last day of Kwanzaa, or Imani, focuses on honoring self-traditions and reaffirming self-worth. Seven principles of Kwanzaa. Naguzo Saba. Seven principles of Kwanzaa. Build community. Symbols teaching all of 
first fruits. I love your principles, but most of all, I love your appreciation for the harvest. You have my vote. So far, each group has one vote. Let's see if our last contestants are smart enough to stay in this contest. Representing Christmas, please give a warm welcome to the wise ones. Welcome, wise ones. Can you school us on Christmas before you perform? Certainly. During the time of the Roman Empire, when King Herod governed Israel, there was a carpenter named Joseph and his wife Mary who lived in Nazareth. One day, Emperor Caesar Augustus sent a notice that everyone had to register for a new tax and had to go back to the town where they were born. Joseph and Mary left Nazareth for Bethlehem. Reach Bethlehem, they looked for a place to rest, but there were no rooms, so they had to stay in a stable with the innkeeper's cows. It was there that Mary gave birth to a son named Jesus, who spent his entire life spreading a message of love and peace to all people. We decorate our homes with lights and give each other gifts to express our love. <laughs> It's Christmas time all over the world, and Christmas here at home. The church bells chime wherever we roll. So joyous Noel, Feliz Natal, Kehuki Christmas to you. The snow 
close to the world, and children's eyes are wide, as old Saint Nick gets ready to ride. like a lovely man, and the gift-giving thing is nice, too. But where's the corn? No corn, no vote. Great performance, guys. He just sounds like a great dude. And frankly, I could use some more peace in my life. I wish I could stop fighting with my twin, the Oak King. You've got my vote. This is unprecedented. For the first time in UU Idol history, we have a three-way tie. Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, and Christmas are all winners. Let's wrap this party up. Uh, let's wrap this party up with a big winter solstice bow and a holiday song. Okay, so um, we've got a couple minutes, yes? I want to I tell you a story that maybe some of you know, but my guess is that most people do not know. You know the story of the three wise men, yes? Okay, so, so who were the three wise men? Oh, I thought you knew this story. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
Okay, so, so Balthazar was one of them, right? And Melchior was one of them. And the third one was the friendly magi, Casper. Right, right. Okay, so, but what you might not know is that there was a fourth magi. There was a fourth wise man. And uh, for those of you who might know this story, this story was originally told by Henry Van Dyke. And, and the, the way the story goes is that the three wise men lived in Babylon, in the city of Babylon, the capital of Babylonia. And the fourth wise man lived all the way in Persia. What do we call Persia today? Iran. Iran. And what is the capital of Iran? Oh, is it? I thought it was Baghdad. Well, you know, you know that big city in, in Iran that's, uh, that's called Baghdad? Well, that's the one I'm talking. That's in Iraq. Yeah. So my geography in the Middle East is so terrible. How far is it from Iran to Iraq? Pretty close. Okay, so, so we can still say that it's about 2,000 miles from, to, uh, to, from Tehran to, to Baghdad. All right? So... so our fourth magi, whose name is Artaban, lives in Persia. And he has worked out an arrangement with his three colleagues who live in Babylon to meet with them when the star appears in the sky to tell them to go to where was it they were supposed to go? To Bethlehem. Jerusalem was a good try, but it was Bethlehem. That's sort of like me thinking that Baghdad's in Iran. Okay, so, so um, Artaban is meeting with some of his friends in Persia, some other magi. Okay, we, we have to, we've got to do a little exegesis on the word magi, right? What does the word magi mean? Wise men, it's plural. What is the singular of magi? Magus. Who knew? So, and knew. I knew, a couple people know these things. I know because when I did this, uh, when I talked about the wise men uh, several years ago, someone corrected me and said, you know, when it's just one, it's not a magi. Anyway, Artaban had to travel all the way from Persia to Babylon to travel with his three companions to get to Bethlehem when the star appeared. And so, Artaban got together with his friends and he reached into his robe and he said, I've sold all my things, everything that I own, and now I have a blue sapphire that was as blue and dark as the night sky. He had a red ruby that was enormous and it was as bright and red as the sun at dawn as it comes up over the horizon. And then the most beautiful milky white pearl. And he had purchased those things with all of his wealth to take to give as a gift to the king. And so he was ready, and he was watching, and he asked his friends if they might go with him. And they said, you're crazy. You're, you're crazy for... Who wants to pay attention to a Hebrew king anyway? You know, they're, they're nothing. You're, you're nuts. And, and so they all left him except for the very oldest one of his friends, and the old, and the old man said... I can't go with you, but I send my prayers and my love with you, but I'm just too old to travel. And so Artaban went up on the roof of his house that very night, and in the sky 
was a blue ball that came out between Venus and Jupiter, blue ball followed by a purple trail, and when Artaban saw it, he knew that that was the sign. And so he got on his horse, whose name was Vashta. If you're going to have a horse in Persia, you got to name that horse Vashta. So he gets on Vashta. He has now ten knights. That's the arrangement he had made with his, his friends, the other magi, that he had ten knights to get from Persia to Babylon. And how far did we say it was? 2,000 miles. Well, that's really traveling a long ways. And so he had to ride hard on Vashta every day. And so on the, very, on the tenth night, as the sun was setting, he was nearing, nearing Babylon. And as he got near the town, his horse Vashta started to shake. And then Vashta just stopped on the trail. And Artaban looked down, and there was a man who had been beaten and robbed. And so Artaban got down off of Vashta. And you might not know this, but Magi are not only trained in in uh, studying the stars, but they're also physicians. And so Artaban got down and he thought, oh, if, if I take care of this man, I'm going to be late and I'm going to miss my colleagues. They're going to go on to Bethlehem without me. And what will I, I'll miss them. I can't, I can't take care of this man. And he looked at the man and he thought, I can't leave him. I can't leave him here. So he got down and he opened his, his, his things and he got out the medicines and the bandages and what he needed to, to treat the man and before he knew it hours had passed and the sun was coming up and he took care of the man and left instructions for his care and he rode then to the place in, in um, what town are we in? Babylon where he was to meet his friends and when he got there there was no one to be seen and he found a piece of parchment nailed to a post that said, we waited for you until midnight, and then we had to go. And Artaban was just heartbroken. And the note said, follow us across the desert to Bethlehem. And Artaban knew that his horse had just ridden as hard as he could for 10 days and that he wouldn't be able to, to keep up and that, that he needed supplies and he needed support. And so he thought, I have to sell one of the gifts. And so he reached into his robe and he pulled out the red ruby and, and he sold the red ruby and with it he bought some camels and he hired some men and he bought some provisions and he set out for Bethlehem and he got there three days after the other magi had left. He, he, he went into town and the town was all astir because the king had levied some kind of new tax and there was something else going on and he didn't understand what it might be. And Artaban was walking down one of the small streets and one of the doors was open and he heard a mother inside singing to her little baby. And she was singing and Artaban stood in the doorway of the house because it was open and he, he greeted her. And she invited him in and he, he, he saw how beautiful the baby was and, and he's, she said, oh, you're looking for those magi that were here with Mary and Joseph. And she said, they, they left three days ago. And uh, they went down into Egypt 
because the, the king is planning something and nobody knows just what it is. And, and just then they heard all kinds of commotion out on the street and sure enough there were soldiers coming down the street with, with clubs and swords and all the kinds of things that soldiers carry and word, word came to the house, the soldiers are taking the babies, the soldiers are taking the babies. And so, so Artaban went to the door and the captain of the soldiers came to the door and the captain said, what are you doing here? And Artaban said, the question is, what are you doing here? And he reached into his robe and he pulled out the blue sapphire. And he said, what I'm doing is I'm saying that a very smart captain will accept a gift and leave this house alone. So the captain took the stone, took the sapphire and, and went away and the, the woman and and her baby were safe. And Artaban tried to follow down into Egypt now, and he tried to, to, to find the king that he was looking for. And he now was, he would hear about the Magi going this way. He'd hear about Mary and Joseph and the baby going this way. And then, then time passed, and he would he would hear that they were, and he would go out into the desert, and, and everywhere he went, he would find people who were hungry, or people who needed his, his doctoring, or people that, that needed things from him, and he would take care of them, and, and before you knew it, 33 years had passed, and Artaban had been looking for his king now for 33 years, and then he heard that the king was in Jerusalem, and that he should go there if he wanted to find his king. And so, so Artaban went into Jerusalem and, and he, he stopped. There were some people standing on the side of the road and he said, what's going on here? And he said, well, we're going to have a crucifixion today. There are two thieves that we're going to crucify and then there's a man who says that he's the son of God and the king of the Jews. And Artaban thought, that's who I'm looking for. That's what I'm looking for. So, so he started to look in the, in the town of Jerusalem, and he followed the crowds. And, and out of one of the crowds, a young woman came crying, crying, please save me. And she's being followed by some soldiers. And this woman, please save me. And she sees Artaban in his robe, and she grabs his robe. And, You're a magi, she said. My father was a magi, and he died. And now they're taking me as a slave to, to pay back the debts that my father had. Please save me. And Artaban thought, I have only one gift left for the king. And he reached into his pocket and pulled out the pearl. And he handed it to the soldiers and he said, I think this will cover her debt. And sure enough, it did. And at that moment, the sun got dark in the sky, and the clouds came over, and the earth began to shake, and there were tiles coming off of the roof. And Artaban and the young woman scooted against one of the buildings, and they were there, and, and one of the big tiles, one of the really big tiles came down and, and conked Artaban right in the head. And he was not going to make it. He was not going to make it, and the young woman held him in her lap, and she was trying to hear. There were, there were voices. She, she told later that there were voices that came out of the air, and she couldn't hear what the voices were saying. But she heard Artaban responding. 
to the voices and he said, when did I see you hungry and feed you? When did I see you naked and clothe you? When did I see you in prison and visit you? And then he closed his eyes and Artaban was no more. And then the young woman heard the voices again. Do you know what they said? The voices said, when you did these things for the least of mine, you did these things for me. Whew. Now there's a story, huh? Artaban. If you noticed in your order of service, I said that there was a second name to my little homily this morning, and the second name was, you can be anybody that you want to be. And I, I don't want you to be confused by that. It's not like, oh, I want to be John, so, so I'm going to be John. What it is is, it's like Artaban. Artaban thought that he was supposed to be and thought he was supposed to do something else, but in his heart, Artaban, Artaban knew who he was. So it's not when we say you can be anybody that you want to be. It's not that you get to choose somebody else to be. It's that you get to be you. You can love anybody that you're going to love. You can travel wherever you're going to travel. You can do whatever you're going to do because it's you. And we've all been given so many gifts, so many valuable, rich gifts that are ours now so that we can give them to the people that we love and to the people that we don't even know so that we can give them to the world that needs our gifts that we've been given. And so in this holiday season, my wish for you is that your roots will grow deep, your branches will spread far, that you'll find the world to be a wonderful place that you will have children around you to give you cheer always, and that you'll leave the world even better than you find it. So may we each be blessed then by the spirits of this special season, the spirits of celebration, of generosity, of light and darkness, of hope and renewal, and the spirit of a child. Thus being blessed, may we too be a blessing to the world around us. And so may the prayers of our hearts and the songs of our lips shared in this holy hour of worship, may the, the cheer of the children and, and of the holiday idol be with us now and in our days to come, lifting our spirits and leading us on. As we extinguish our chalice, this worship comes to an end and our service begins. Blessed be and amen. Happy holidays. <laughs>